Welcome to Becoming Referrable, the podcast that shows you how to become the kind of advisor people can't stop talking about. I'm Steve Wershing. On this episode, we have Brittany Anderson, Chief Operating Officer of Sweet Financial Services in Sherburn, Minnesota, and co-founder of Ultimate Advisor Coaching, where they help advisors build sustainable and scalable businesses. We talk with Brittany about a number of things that she has found effective for advisors, one of the most important of which is having the right mindset, how an advisor mindset can influence your client relationships, dig more deeply into what they feel, and build a better, more responsive business around that. We'll talk about how to get into clients' heads and how to see it, see the experience you provide from their side of the table. We'll dig into what's beneath the goals that they tell you about so that you can understand how to deliver better, more effective advice. We also address a few different practice management issues, including how to utilize Colby to interview candidates for positions and how to use them more, use it more broadly in your uh, team building and business management system. And stay through to the end where we talk about the importance of having an implementer in your business, what that person does and how you can utilize that to have a more, more consistent and uh, sustainable business. It's a great episode with a lot of good ideas. And so without further delay, here is our conversation with Brittany Anderson. Brittany Anderson, welcome to the Becoming Referrable podcast. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. I am so excited to be here today. Yeah. And so um, just so that for anybody who does not know about you yet, can you tell us a little bit about your role at Sweet Financial and uh, the new project you're working on in advisor coaching? Yeah, so I have been with uh, Sweet Financial Services, uh, a, a wealth planning firm out of Southern Minnesota for just about 11 years now, uh, acting as the COO. So I get to do all kinds of good stuff. I get to uh, help with the strategic planning of the firm, really helping drive the vision um, and bring it to life with the team, get the team leveled up and engaged and um, really help, like I said, kind of align the goals to the greater mission of the firm. Uh, as far as kind of the the advisor coaching, so it was interesting. Um, the CEO and founder of Sweet Financial, he puts on a conference each year. It's called the Elite Wealth Advisor Symposium. Uh, back in 2018, I spoke at it and I was talking on all the stuff that I love with implementation, with teams, with you know leveling up and, and helping people to be absolutely 100% engaged and bought into the greater vision. Uh, gave a presentation and Brian, not tooting my own horn here, but he had a bunch of people come up and be like, where can I get a Britney and how can I get them trained? <laughs> I want to get a Britney too. Where can I get a Britney? Right? I was like, well, I can't be everywhere at once, but what I can do is I can create some awesome content. I can uh, put together a program and a platform to kind of help uh, reach as many people as possible and help them do the same things that I was doing within Suite within their practices. So on top of that, Another presenter who at the time and who still is today, uh, we have him on retainer to help with our marketing and automation and uh, again, kind of get our message clarity or get clarity around our messaging. Uh, he presented at the same conference, had a ton of people come up to him and be like, wow, this automation component is amazing. We need this in our lives. And we're <laughs> like, hey, 
apparently people need us, so let's do something. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, is, that something, yeah. is that quite new for you, or have you been doing that for a while now in, in bringing all these messages to the broader community? Yeah, so this is, um, it, we've actually been uh, a real life thing for the past couple of years. So it's been about two years now. Um, we have worked with a multitude of different advisors from all across the United States. And it's really turned into quite the exciting thing when you look at, you know, helping people systematize not only their business, um, get again, the, the team is so important. I talk on that all the time, but then also automating their marketing to kind of bring their greater vision to life. Uh, it, it's really been something spectacular to see people implement and act upon. Oh, that's very cool. And so, so tell us about, you know, you, you spoke about certain things to help advisors be more successful and, and the uh, marketing automation guy talked about a few things. What, what, what are, what are some of the components that you've observed that enable an advisor to be, to be really successful? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the two words come to mind and it's outward mindset. Uh, there's actually a book. It's by the Arbinger Institute. It's called The Outward Mindset. But it was interesting as I was um, diving into that content, I started thinking back to some of the top financial advisors, the most elite advisory practices from across the United States. And it seems that they all completely embrace this idea. And what it means is essentially anticipating your clients or your prospects needs. So being very intuitive to what they want. Uh, what? How can you carve your messaging into what they are thinking about versus talking 100% about yourself and your ability? And even though so many advisors are absolutely marvelous people, when it comes down to it, your client, your prospect doesn't really care about that. They care about how you can solve their problems. So being able to anticipate their needs and have that outward mindset where you kind of step outside of your own world and your practice and really anticipate what it is that they're going to need. Uh, that's where we're seeing uh, the advisors really excel. And so when you think of that, I mean, that, that I mean, that in, intuitively makes a lot of sense. And, and you, you put me in mind of some of the tenets of Ritz Carlton when they talk about uh, anticipation as mm -hmm. one of the, the core tenets of, of client experience. But I guess what's really, uh, I mean, the, the question that comes to my mind is how do we create that skill and how can advisors, we I mean, don't just show up in the office and say, I'm going to anticipate today. So what would I need to work <laughs> on to make that happen? You know, that, that's, that's just, that's another great question. And, and I think where it starts is getting really laser focused as to the market that you serve. Uh, you know, when you can when you can get complete clarity around who you best help, uh, whose problems you can best solve, you kind of back into that outward mindset concept where, where you really learn the ins and outs of the psyche of who your prospect is, who your best client is. So I think that if you can look at how you operate within your practice and who you best serve, that's going to allow you to have the, that anticipation and, and to be able to um, really get clarity around what it is that you can provide to your target or ideal audience. So I think that laser focus is, is really essential. It's not just um, it's not just a good idea. It's essential to have so that you can learn what they need, learn what's keeping them up at night per se. Well, and let, let's dig into that a little bit um, because there are lots of advisors that we all talk to who say, oh, you know, I, I, um, 
I specialize in doctors or I specialize in senior corporate executives or those kinds of things, but that's not reflective of a mindset change. And in, 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 in a lot of cases, those advisors will say, here's who I focus on and this is what I've decided that, you know, they need, you know, the, in my observation, this is what they need. But, but how, how do you, how do you take that to the next level and, you know, actually have that mindset change where, you know, you're, you know, how, how do you, how do you turn it around and see that from the client's perspective, like you were just talking about? Yeah. Uh, really where that starts is, I always think it's interesting when we're working with an advisor and they tell us, you know, hey, I, I think we've really got a, I got a process down. I think we've really got, you know, something good for them. My first question is always, okay, so what have your clients been telling you about it? Uh, what has your, your your warm prospects, the ones that you're in conversations with, how are they responding to it? Because a lot of times, um, I think people tend to fall in love with their own message, fall in love with their own process before they actually test it, right? Before they actually get that feedback um, from their clients, from their prospects, so that they can truly ensure that they're answering the open questions that are in their client's head. Um, you know, and it's, and it's interesting going back to anticipating somebody's needs and kind of how that ties in with mindset as well is, uh, sometimes or not sometimes, but a lot of times a client or a prospect, they don't exactly know what they even need, right? Like you have to, uh, put those questions out there to get their wheels spinning, to really uncover what it is that's keeping them up at night, what it is that that is absolutely monopolizing their time when it comes to what they're thinking about in regards to their finances. So I think that before you can say that you've got a process, you've got a niche, you have to make sure that you are testing that and that you are showing proof that it's actually working within that target audience. I think that's really important. And, and so do you have um, ways that you help or encourage advisors to do that, to get a little deeper, to understand, and maybe not even just challenges, but aspirations uh, with, with their clients? Yes. So what we like to do is if an advisory practice has never put something like this into place, uh, we encourage them to create a discovery meeting agenda, a discovery meeting format. So what that can be is it can be something that's geared towards either a new client or prospect, uh, or it can be for existing. And, and really what it is, is it's them asking a, a, the advisor, when I say them, the advisor asking a lot of questions to go really, really deep with that ideal market. So if you haven't done that yet, that's absolutely something that we consistently coach on is you want to come up with a list of questions to really go deep with those individuals so that you can pull that out. And I've actually had practices do that. They'll say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to knock this out for, you know, I see all my clients twice a year. So for six months, I am hard focused in these discoveries. And it has been amazing at the insights that they have brought out of that. That's actually completely shifted how they go about doing business, how they go about offering their services and the language that they speak, even the language that they're using with their prospects and their clients because they're getting that direct feedback. Now, another thing, and I know, um, Stephen, I know that you have a whole methodology and a process behind this, but utilizing a client advisory council. This is something that we've had in play at, at Sweet Financial Services for years and years and years, but really taking a sampling of your very, very best, your most ideal clients 
and putting some of these ideas by them. And, and you know, Stephen, we were lucky to feature you in a recent Ultimate Advisor uh, podcast episode where you actually shared that uh, you should be doing as the advisor just a bunch of question asking, not a bunch of statements, and yep. let them do the sharing. So I think you brought up such a great point in that, and I'm absolutely using that going forward because I think it's, it's completely relevant. So really, it's getting in front of that ideal and just asking a bunch of questions. So when, when, you, when you've worked with advisors who've uh, done those discovery meetings and, and, and look to, to dig in, what, what would you say is the most interesting question you've heard people incorporate into that agenda? Mm, yeah. So, you know, it kind of goes back. Um, we, I, I believe in straightforward questions, right? I believe in, in straight talk per se. Um, and when you ask the question of what's keeping you up at night, what is what is bogging your brain down? That's really where you start to get people shift, right? Because you can ask surface level questions. Um, you can ask things like, you know, what do you need most in your financial plan? What are you missing? And again, it goes back to they don't know what they don't know. But when you ask questions that evoke emotion, um, the, the other one too is, you know, when when you look three years into the future. This is actually a question coined from Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach. But looking, let's say we're three years in the future, reflecting back on the past three years, what has to have happened for you to feel really good about your progress? Okay, so that makes people think a little bit, right? That's a deeper question than what are you missing in your financial life because they just don't know. So you have to ask questions that make them think, that really play on their emotion, um, and that help them uncover what it is that they want most out of their life so that you can help their money work for them. And do you recommend uh, for advisors who are perhaps just looking at this process with fresh eyes to have this kind of meeting with existing clients? And what's the difference there between that kind of conversation and a prospect? Mm, that's a great question. So, you know, existing clients, they're a little bit safer to test on because a lot of times you already have that credibility built, right? So, um, you know, that can actually be a really fun exercise. We have done this at Sweet Financial and helped other advisors uh, do this as well. But just going into it and be like, hey, you know, it's been a while since we have really uh, gone deep into what it is that you want your future to look like. So we talk about your portfolio, you know, we talk about your goals in general, but I want to go a little bit deeper than that. So today's meeting format is going to be just a little bit different. And I'm just going to ask you some questions to kick us off. And it's it's very disarming. So when it's done with an existing client, again, you've got that reputation built up. You've got a relationship with them. Uh, when it's a prospect, when it's a new person, the, the goal there is really, again, it's, it's kind of this 80-20 rule is you want to be talking 20% of the time, you want them to be talking 80% of the time. Because what you're trying to do is hear all of the needs and fill all of the gaps as to what they need for their plan, as to what they need for their future and what they need in you as the advisor. Uh, whereas with an existing client, it can be a little bit more conversational because you have that, that uh, reputation with them. And then what, when you've had that meeting and it's been successful and you've uncovered uh, some of these deeper needs and challenges, how do you recommend that advisors then 
use that information. And I mean, you've just you've just mentioned one that you, you know is probably first and foremost it might be reflected in the plan yeah. and and the kind of planning. But do you also see that reflected or ideally reflected in say the client experience or how the communication plan takes place? Absolutely. You know, I I like the saying of um, treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way that you want to be treated. Right. So I think that's a misconception that we've been taught from a very young age that we're told, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Well, I I don't believe that. Right. Because somebody might not want to be treated the same way that I do. (laughs) So that's unfortunate because it's the basis of my marriage. But (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Well, uh, I'm just going to take some notes. You know, we were talking about therapists before this, so yeah. I'm not right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm getting all kinds of material for that appointment later. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, really, I think what it boils down to is that if you're able to really listen and, and understand what it is that your client needs, what it is that your prospect needs, you can, in many ways, tailor future questions to that. So, you know, you know, it, it, many advisors, most advisors that we have been working with, have some sort of a goal planning, goal tracking software that they use. So a really easy way to do this is once you kind of get to the core of what it is that your client wants, what does their future look like? What does their retirement look like? You're able to put some of that into um, the the goal planning software, into the, the tracking software, so that you're consistently reminding them of what is most important. And, and, and I think too, it's relevant that when you have um, a little bit of Uh, tumultuous markets, right? Where things are going a little bit crazy. I think it's really important to remind your client that, hey, you know what? You have determined your goals. All that matters is that we're staying on track with that. So then you can take some of the worry away from them just by simply going deeper. So instead of being on the defense during a meeting, trying to feel like you have to explain what's going on and you're constantly trying to redirect their fears, it's more so played on, hey, these are your goals. As long as we can stay on track to that, then that's what matters. That's what you told me matters, right? So it changes that dynamic. It changes that conversation a bit within future review. Well, and let's dig into that a little bit because, um, <clears throat> you know, I, 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 I'd love to be able to help advisors understand more deeply what you're talking about because, you know, what what you were just saying was it's not enough just to ask them what they want, but to find out what they really want. And, I, and, and so I'm thinking that that's not what you really need is $140,000 a year in retirement. I, mm-hmm. I think you're thinking about something deeper. So can you dig us dig down into that a little bit for us and, and, and give us some examples of what kinds of things are, you know, sort of those goals beneath the goals? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the questions that we like to start off with at Sweet Financial is, you know, a lot of times people tell you what they're retiring from, right? Somebody comes in and they're like, I just ended, you know, 40 plus years at this company and I'm so excited because, you know, it was a great experience, but I'm ready for this next thing. And we're like, okay, well, what's the next thing? They're like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just thinking about what I'm retiring from, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) it's important to get into the conversation of what are they retiring to? And and something that we like to do with, with clients as well is, you know, a lot of times I, I like to use this example of if somebody tells you as a client, they're like, you know what, I need $150,000 in retirement. And part of that is because I'm going to move to Florida. I'm going to buy a condo down there and I'm going to golf and I'm going to enjoy the beach and I love warm weather. And I'm just really excited about that. 
And we're like, that's great. That's awesome. Have you ever been to Florida before? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, wait, wait a second, right? What, what, what's going on here? So, you know, it's, it's funny because then you might find, you get a client that says that and then you're like, well, come to find out they don't like reptiles and there's a lot of large ones on the golf courses down there. <laughs> they don't like humidity and beaches are crowded. So I use that a little facetiously, but but in reality, it's it's understanding why do they want that, right? Getting into the deep. So Dean Graziosi, he's a famous real estate guy, marketer, absolutely brilliant business person, talks about this, this concept or this process of going seven layers deep with your client. Now, what that means is that if somebody said, if you ask the question, um, okay, so how much money do you think you're going to need in retirement? And they say... 150,000 a year. Okay, why do you think you need that 150,000? And they're like, well, I, I want to do some travel and, you know, I want to maybe um, buy that cabin on the lake somewhere. And, you know, those are the kind of things I just think that cash flow wise, that'll make it work. And you're like, okay, well, let's, let's stop for a second. Why do you want that cabin on the lake? What's that mean to you? Well, it means that I'm going to um, have more time with my family. I'm going to have more time with grandkids and we can have everybody in one space. We haven't had much of that with busy schedules. Okay, that's awesome. So why is that important to you? So you get the picture here is it's, it's do not accept the face level and the surface level answers, because it, the minute you do that, you're losing a connection right? Then what that what means is that that person is on the market for another financial advisor because you have not taken that time to get to the core of what drives them. Uh, something that we've also encouraged advisors to do and that we've implemented at Sweet Financial Services is that when, when you really get to that core of why things are important, of what they really need that money for and the why behind it, create a vision board for them. Put it up on the screen when they come in for their review so they can see the pictures of that cabin, of the family time, of you know maybe a foundation they want to establish because it's in honor of a, a deceased family member or whatever the case is. Put those images in front because all of a sudden, again, you have a little bit of uh, tumultuous markets, things are a little uncertain. They're not focused on that because the first thing that they're seeing, their mindset is immediately put on what that image looks like and they're reminded of what's most important to them. And best of all, it shows that you listened. So that is kind of the core of going deep in that discovery. Interesting. So <clears throat> I want um, I want to make sure that we get a few other things that I wanted to ask you about in here. We could keep talking about that. That's great stuff. Uh, and I also wanted to get a few more things in here. So besides you know digging deep and seeing it from the client's standpoint and that mindset, what what, what else um, what else makes enables an advisor to be build a sustainable and scalable business? Yeah, you know, I think in order to build something that's sustainable and scalable, you, you really got to get your systems and your processes down. Um, you know, there's that thing in life that we all like to think we don't have and it's human error. <laughs> you know, we like to think that we're perfect, but remember the biggest lie we tell ourselves is I will remember that. So, you know, I think it's really important to make sure that you have consistent, repeatable processes built within your business. What that allows you to do is it frees up your brain space. Uh, so, so when you've got something that you're like, hey, I have a complete workflow built into my system. I have a checklist for that. I know that every client that I onboard is going to get the same exceptional experience as the last. 
those are the kind of things that you put in place that allow you to focus on the things you really enjoy as the advisor. It allows you to focus on the revenue generating opportunities uh, that are out there, right? That you maybe would not be able to get to or not be able to allocate the proper brain space to if you're sitting there worried about, okay, did I you know, check in with them on this given point? Did my team member check in with them? And I think that the second part of that in association with the systems is having the right butts and seats, is having the right people on your team that are going to take exceptional care of your clients, that are going to deliver that service that you expect and do it consistently every time. So systems and procedures and the right team is what's going to help you be able to scale grow and ensure that your people are being treated the the way that they need to be treated. Can you talk a little bit more about, I mean, we talk about both, but I just really, um, your second point struck me because I know how much advisors struggle with this. In fairness, we all struggle (laughs) with finding the, finding the right people. And, And so do you have some specific thoughts on, uh, what advisors can do differently in that area? Yes. Um, I, this is one of my favorite topics. The topic of people, I, I just absolutely love. And, and you're right. Um, it is absolutely, it, it, or let me just phrase it this way. It can be difficult to find uh, the right talent to fit your firm. However, there are so many different systems and procedures out there that you can utilize to help you really get to the core. And, and the biggest thing that I like to offer when I'm coaching somebody on hiring or getting uh, building their team, the, the first thing that I say is you've got to trust your gut. Because that little thing inside of us, it's not going to typically lie to us. People can look really, really good on paper. Um, They can look like they have all the experience in the world and they're just going to be so exceptional because of all of their designations or whatever the case. But if they're not the right fit culturally, if they're not at their core, uh, a person who is driven by helping other people that's going to be a problem down the road, right? And, and as we know, there can it could be like one um, swamp monster on your team that makes you want to drink swamp, right? Like that's frustrating. So using tools, one that I like to just as an immediate that people could take and implement right away, um, the Colby Index A, I personally really like that for helping get to the core of how a person operates. That's one that they say, whether you take it at 18 years old or 53 years old, it's never going to change. Um, And that really helps you understand how a person operates naturally. What are their natural inherent abilities? Uh, So that's a great tool. I like to ask a lot of questions that are really weird. Um, One that I like to ask, and by no means I'm not an HR expert attorney or anything like that, so I'm sorry ahead of time, (laughs) but (laughs) to ask the question of, if I were to walk into your bedroom, if I were to walk into there, step in the door away, what would I see? <laughs> it's a weird question. One really there. surprised financial advisor. Go for there is if somebody tells me they're like, Woo, that is going to be a mess. I got laundry everywhere. I got stacks of stuff over here. My bed's not made. Like a, a room is reflective of their headspace, right? So I like to understand, uh, that's a question that I just like to ask because it helps me get to the core of what's going on in their head, right? If they tell me it's organized, if they tell me that, you know, it's clean and it's tidy and it's kind of their sanctuary, that's usually a good indicator to me. And I've, I've seen this proven time and time again. So it's a weird question, 
but it works because you kind of get to see uh, what's going on in their headspace. How are they feeling right now? Are they organized? Are they not? Are they all over the place? Um, that's a really good indicator. Again, maybe weird question, but it, it helps. Them <laughs> more. But worth asking just to see the look on their face. Just to um, see and curate. I, let me, I'd like to dig, since you're a fan of Colby, I'd like to dig into that a little bit more. So, so tell me a little bit more about how you use that. You know, had, not just, you know, you test somebody and see what their, what their skills are, but then how do you, um, do you, uh, do you do a Colby for the position before you hire? Do you look at, you know, a, a, the blend of Colby's on a team? You know, what, what kinds of ways do you use that to really make an effective office? Yeah, that, that's a good question. So the way that we administer it, the way that I administer it is I always do it before I'm going to hire somebody. So usually once I've got it narrowed down to a couple different candidates is when I administer it. And that won't be my, it's not my final judgment call on how or who I would decide to hire, but I like to know going into it just because you mentioned something about, you know, kind of having the mix on your team. I want to understand if there's certain gaps on our team or there's certain gaps on a team that I'm working with. And when I say gaps, I mean, you know, if, if everybody, well, for those that aren't familiar with Colby, there's four different categories, essentially, that um, the test is not the right word, but that you get results on. So it's fact finder, follow through, quick start and implementer. So if I have a bunch of people that fall, let's just use, for example, short on the implementer, which means they're more visual. Uh, they're more, um, I, I, they, they want to be able to kind of dream up the thoughts, but they may not be the person to actually go in, get their hands dirty and, and do it. Then I know that there may be a gap in the company when it comes to the operations, when it comes to the client service, whatever that is. So then I might be looking to see, okay, where could that person kind of fall high where we're maybe falling a little bit short on the scale um, to close some of those gaps. The other thing too is you have to, there's certain positions that you absolutely have to just kind of have a natural way of, of going about things. So I do like to see, am I totally off base? It kind of helps you see too. If somebody looks great on paper, like I said, um, the Colby really helps you get to the core of how they're going to operate. So it allows you to ask more questions. And I'm going to use that word too, of, you know, anticipating kind of the future, anticipating what their needs are and how they need to be managed, how they need to be um, um, encouraged the Colby is a great indicator of that as well. Okay. Um, one of the things you talk about as well is uh, the importance of having an implementer in your business. Can you tell us what that means and um, what they would do? Yes. So the implementer in the business, um, for many financial advisors, especially those that are more of the entrepreneurial mindset, we love shiny objects. We love the squirrels, right? So we are all about um, new ideas, exciting new things, bringing that into the business. And um, unfortunately for your team, if you don't have somebody that can kind of keep their hands around that and even filter that a little bit, that's dangerous territory because you're going to start driving people nuts. <laughs> so it's really important to have somebody designated on your team, you as the primary, you as a lead advisor, when you have these new ideas, when you have these, you know, whether it's marketing, whether it's internal systems, whether it's, you know, a client service element, somebody that can help filter that and then in turn bring it to life. 
right? Because what you should be focused on, if you're the primary in the company, you should be focused on revenue generation, right? That R word, revenue generation. Or maybe you're at a point in your business where you're like, hey, I've got other people that are driving revenue, but I want to be able to take more time for myself. I want to be able to reap the rewards, reap the benefit of my hard work. In order to do that, you've got to have somebody on your team that can bring those things to life, that are obsessed with details, that absolutely love tracking what's working, what's not working, uh, setting deadlines. Deadlines are huge. You know, the, if you don't have a deadline, the chance of success actually shrinks exponentially. So being able to really take your vision and then put it into a project sort of timeline to bring it to life. They can then be the one that's keeping a pulse on that and bringing in the proper team members to help execute on that vision. So that's the importance of the implementer to be able to bring your best ideas, filter them, and then get them implemented into the company. And so could that role be anyone, just someone with those skill sets, uh, depending on the size of your team? Yeah, depending on the size of your team, there's multiple ways you can approach it. You could have one designated person in sort of an operations type position. Um, however, I've also seen it done where you have different department heads that that absolutely own those skill sets uh, to where they can help with that implementation factor. And, and that's a little bit more uh, geared towards the larger firms with more team members because then they can really hone in in their department and they can be in charge of pulling other people from other departments where, where the gap need to be filled. So you could do it a couple different ways. One key person for the company or department heads per se. Right. right. Yeah. And and so just because I know we're, we're, we're coming up in time, I'd, I'd love to get your thoughts. We've talked about a few different topics here, so feel free to, you know, choose one. But we'd love to get your thoughts on how you believe some of these tactics and strategies help advisors to become more referable. Yeah. So, you know, I think that when you kind of sum all this up, right, when, when, let's go back to my comment um, in regards to, you know, treat people the way that they want to be treated, not the way that you want to be treated. Uh, when you do that and when you're speaking to your client's deepest um, desires for their future, deepest desires for their retirement. I mean, they have spent a long time preparing for this, right? Or, or maybe not preparing, but waiting for this moment. I think that when you are absolutely getting to the core, uncovering their why, they are not going to be able but help to share, the, the, share about that, right? To tell people about that. Because all of a sudden, you're no longer just a financial advisor in their life. You're a partner in their life that's helping them get what they want most, that is invaluable. You can't put a price tag on that. So I just think that if you are getting to the core, getting to the core of what people want, and you are then having the processes, the systems, and the people to be able to deliver on that experience and to be able to make sure that they are helping remind the client or the prospect of what they want most, there's your gold mine. That's when people are going to keep talking and start talking about you. That's when they want their friends and family to work with you because you're delivering something that nobody else is giving. Well, that's that's an excellent point. I can't think of a better place to wrap this up. Uh, Brittany, there's, there's a lot of great stuff we've covered, and I'd love to keep talking with you. But um, if uh, people want to find out more about you, about the uh, Elite Advisor Conference, about Ultimate Advisor Coaching, where can they find you? 
Yes. So um, they can check out our website. It's ultimateadvisorcoaching.com. We also have a podcast, which I mentioned earlier. Stephen was gracious enough to be a guest on. That is ultimateadvisorpodcast.com. Otherwise, um, the Elite Wealth Advisor Symposium, um, that is a by invitation only event. Uh, Go to symposium.com. There's actually one coming up in January of 2021, uh, late January, early February. Um, that's absolutely something you should check out as well. Well, that's great. Brittany Anderson, thank you so much for joining us on the Becoming Referrable podcast. And uh, and uh, thanks for sharing your message with all of our advisors. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you both. Thanks so much. Take care. Hi, it's Julie again. It was great to have you with us on Becoming Referrable. If you like what you've been hearing, please do us a favor and rate us on iTunes. It really does help. You can get all the links, show notes, and other tidbits from these episodes at becomingreferrable.com. You can also get our free report, Three Referral Myths That Limit Your Growth, and connect with our blogs and other resources. Thanks so much for joining us.